Welcome to Set Free 24-7. My name is Robert. I am happy to have you along on this journey through the message today. We're reading out of four passages today, starting out in Matthew chapter 21, verse 12 to 22. Get ready for some temple turbulence as Jesus enters with a broom, flipping tables like a boss. Plus, learn the secret power of faith with a mountain-moving challenge that'll leave you saying, bring it on, obstacles. Next, we move up to Acts chapter 28, verse 17 to 31. We're going to join Paul as he throws a little Bible party in Rome, spreading the good news and captivating hearts with his infectious enthusiasm. Prepare for an epic cliffhanger ending that will leave you craving more adventure. And then we're going to rewind back to Psalm chapter 47. It is time to get your praise on and turn up the volume because this psalm declares God as the ultimate ruler of the universe. Join the heavenly dance party as we celebrate with joy, clapping hands, and joyful noise. And we will end today in Leviticus chapter 26 and 27. Discover the divine rewards and consequences of sticking to the script as God lays out blessings for obedience and, well, some not-so-fun stuff for disobedience. It's like a spiritual guidebook on how to stay on God's good side and avoid the divine timeout corner. So get ready to embark on an exciting and enlightening adventure as we embark on the journey through the message. Join us. Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. This is episode number 50. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. Man, we are excited for number 50 today. This seems like six months ago, Mm -hmm. you and I had never even done one podcast. And I've listened to episode number one, and it's a little rough (laughs) compared to episode 49. Hopefully 50 turns out good, too. But It's going to be amazing. I've been (laughs) so impressed with you and how far you've come and how much you've learned from episode one until now. It just... I think we both have. It's We've we both wonderful. have been on this journey of just learning all of this stuff and the editing and the marketing of it. I mean, there's so much that goes into the production part. It's more than just hitting a little record button and sitting down and talking. It's not as easy as I thought it was. So <laughs> I get the easy part. I get to come and read. And my dear husband, you sit and put so much time and effort into making this a finished product that everybody gets to enjoy. And I have learned a lot about the hard work that goes on behind the scenes and the attention to detail that's required. So hats off to you. And with the podcast that you're involved in with Sarah, the unfiltered, I love that. But that's given Mm -hmm. you now a new appreciation for that same thing. I mean, you're able to see just the work that goes in behind the scenes. There's a lot of work and it's not a simple, easy peasy thing. So I've had to take back my words that I thought, oh, you just push that button, you talk, and then you push another button, it's online. How hard can it be? 
So let's uh, <laughs> let's do this real quick. Let's give a quick plug to that podcast because yes, I, let's do that. I love what you guys are doing there. I love the mission that it's on. So I'm going to give you the floor real quick to uh, just talk about that little project that you're doing with Sarah and some of the good things that are happening right now. With I that. would love to. I have the privilege of doing a podcast with one of my very best friends, Sarah. It's called Unfiltered, Raw, Real, and Honest. And you are going to get the real deal from these two girls Mm. right here. (laughs) We tackle all things women. Uh, You know, unique and special difficulties that we have and face on the daily basis. But we try to approach it with humor and fun and to always end on a positive and uplifting note. It is our hope to help women on their way to a joy-filled life. Life is hard and we recognize that. But when you get together with like-minded people that are kind of all rowing in the same direction, it tends to make the journey much, much easier than if you're trying to go it alone. Mm -hmm. I found that out personally in my life. And we're finding out that I think that we're blessed and fed even more, maybe, than our listeners. It's truly, it's a privilege to get to do it. So if you're listening and you're interested in uh, some women topics and how to get help for the lady in your life, or if you are the lady, give a listen sometime. Look us up, Unfiltered. It's on all the um what do you call them anything that carries a podcast is on there i don't <laughs> all know the, the major li- platforms that's the words yeah, yeah i don't even know the lingo but <laughs> but i i promise you it's a fun time you will laugh there may be tears at time we're not afraid to talk about anything and you're gonna see us just being exactly who we are And hopefully you might learn a thing or two along the way. So unfiltered, raw, real, and honest. I love it. Thank you so much for that. I've taken the time to watch some of these and I've had a good time watching them. So it's fun. Highly recommend. Thank you. So everybody, thank you for joining us for episode number 50. If this is your first episode joining us or if you've been around since the very beginning, we appreciate you choosing to spend a little sliver of your day with us. You know, a free way that you can support our podcast is hitting that like button, maybe sharing this episode with a friend if it has blessed you. We love to connect with people and would love to connect with you. So whether it's a comment, whether it's a prayer request, or if you noticed on episode 49, one of the new things that we're going to do, and we're going to have these going back all the way to episode number one, we will have questions, kind of like a little mini Bible study that are related to each of the four chapters. I love this. Yeah. So that gets you, I mean, not only are we going to talk about it here, but then there's some fun questions that just get you thinking in a little bit. I loved the questions from last week. I, I thought they were great. So. Very, very good. And I promise now that my school load is a little less, I'm going to be all over those questions. I want to participate and I would love for listeners to join me in that. And I always enjoy getting to know people. It's fun stuff. I'm going to say a quick prayer and then Heidi's going to start out in Matthew. So Father God, thank you for being there for us as we embarked on this journey six months ago, not really knowing where we were going to go, but we felt this call 
to just thank you so much for the connections that we've made because of the podcast. Thank you so much for blessing us as we dig into the word and we're able to chat back and forth. Thank you for blessing our marriage through this podcast and how this has been an investment into each other and something that I know 10 years from now, I may want to just come back and listen to just to just to hear my wife and to hear the conversations that we've had. So thank you for blessing me with that and that opportunity. Please bless our listeners. I know, you know, it's tough out there right now. There's a lot of craziness. There's a lot of chaos in some areas. And we just want to pray a special blessing of peace over everybody that's listening right now. So bless this reading. I hope everyone's having a great, fantastic day. And I hope this is just a little exclamation mark on your day. So bless our reading. Thank you, Father God. I ask this all in your holy name. I pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you. I love you too, husband. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So we are starting out our reading today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 21, and this is verses 12 through 22. Jesus is uh, he's a little upset, I hear. Um, this is not gentle Jesus here. Here we go. Jesus went straight to the temple and threw out everyone who had set up shop buying and selling he kicked over the table of loan sharks in the stalls of the dove merchants, and he quoted this text. My house was designated a house of prayer. You have made it a hangout for thieves. Now there was room for the blind and crippled to get in. They came to Jesus, and he healed them. When the religious leaders saw the outrageous things he was doing and heard all the children running and shouting through the temple, Hosanna to David's son! They were up in arms and took him to task. Do you hear what those children are saying? Jesus said, yes, I hear them. And haven't you read in God's word from the mouths of children and babies, I'll furnish a place of praise? Fed up, Jesus spun around and left the city for Bethany, where he spent the night. Early the next morning, Jesus was returning to the city. He was hungry. Seeing a lone fig tree alongside the road, he approached it, anticipating a breakfast of figs. When he got to the tree, there was nothing but fig leaves. He said, no more figs from this tree, ever. The fig tree withered on the spot, a dry stick. The disciples saw it happen. They rubbed their eyes, saying, did we really see this? A leafy tree one minute and a dry stick the next? But Jesus was matter of fact. Yes, and if you embrace this kingdom life and don't doubt God, you'll not only do minor feats like I did to the fig tree, but also triumph over huge obstacles. This mountain, for instance, you'll tell, go jump in the lake, and it will jump. Absolutely everything, ranging from small to large, as you make it a part of your believing prayer, gets included as you lay hold of God. You can tell Jesus is, this is like the end of mm. his time on earth. Mm. And it's like everything is ramping up. And I think it's that feeling you get, like you have that hard date for this huge project, let's say. Uh. And all of a sudden, here you are, and now you're within hours of it. And there's all these loose ends. And everywhere you turn, you see 
things that you want to address and to fix and to change, but time just keeps on going. Yeah. So he's in the temple. He just wants to get some breakfast, just something to eat, and there's not a single thing on this. The tree will never bear fruit again, but he used it to make a point to the disciples. This reminds me of how constantly busy Jesus was all the time, every single day, people coming at him and demands and this and that. And it's no wonder that the Bible talks so often how he withdrew to a quiet place. He went up to this to get away. He sought out that quiet and mm. solitude. And my goodness, um, his life was just, I'm, I'm blown away what he so willingly chose to yeah. do. But man, he, he came into town. He's got a big thing laying ahead of him and he had and no yeah, time for that temple business and you almost feel like yeah he he is seeing like the end is near mm -hmm. and people aren't getting it and i'm getting frustrated now yes. and i need these people to get this <laughs> yes yeah yeah and uh i find it so funny that the religious leaders are watching god himself saying he's doing outrageous things they had no idea that their tiny little minds were talking about God himself. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and now I'll be picking up in Acts chapter 28, verses 17 through 31. Let's see what's going on with Paul here. Oh. He's had uh, quite the, I mean, he's gotten bit by a snake. <laughs> he's shipwrecked. You know, it's been raining and cold for like probably the last at least few weeks. I mean, I don't know if he's got a dry pair of drawers anywhere. I mean. I'm, I think of this guy and he's the poster child for anybody who's new to the Christian faith who may think, well, it's going to be just smooth sailing from yeah. here on out. Our Paul here is a perfect example that life yes. can get a little messy. crazy and yeah. messy when you say, yes, God, I will follow you. Oh, man. So here we go. We are in Acts. So three days later, Paul called the Jewish leaders together for a meeting at his house. He said, the Jews in Jerusalem arrested me on trumped up charges, and I was taken into custody by the Romans. I assure you that I did absolutely nothing against Jewish laws or Jewish customs. After the Romans investigated the charges and found that there was nothing to them, they wanted to set me free. But the Jews objected so fiercely that I was forced to appeal to Caesar. I did this not to accuse them of any wrongdoing or to get our people in trouble with Rome. We've had enough trouble through the years that way. I did it for Israel. I asked you to come and listen to me today to make it clear that I am on Israel's side, not against her. I'm a hostage here for hope, not doom. They said nobody wrote warning us about you, and no one has shown up saying anything bad about you, but we would like very much to hear more. The only thing that we know about this Christian sect is that nobody seems to have anything good to say about it. They agreed on a time. When the day arrived, they came back to his home with a number of their friends. 
Paul talked to them all day, from morning to evening, explaining everything involved in the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them all about Jesus by pointing out what Moses and the prophets had written about him. Some of them were persuaded by what he said, but others refused to believe a word of it. When the unbelievers got cankerous and started bickering with each other, Paul interrupted, I have just one more thing to say to you. The Holy Spirit sure knew what he was talking about when he addressed our ancestors through Isaiah the prophet. Go to this people and tell them this. You're going to listen with your ears, but you won't hear a word. You're going to stare with your eyes, but you won't see a thing. These people are blockheads. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look, so they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. You've had your chance. The non-Jewish outsiders are next on the list, and believe me, they are going to receive it with open arms. Paul lived for two years in his rented house. He welcomed everyone who came to visit He urgently presented all matters of the kingdom of God. He explained everything about Jesus Christ, and his door was always open. And even under arrest, this is a pause here at the very end, even under arrest, Paul's door was always open. What sustained Paul in his commitment to sharing his faith? And what sustains you? And there was a uh, pause here from Eugene Peterson about verse 31 here in chapter 28. It's uh, titled, Always Open. His door was always open. This great sentence concludes the story of the early church and the ministry of Paul. Can you think of a better ending? After all those attempts by the enemies of the gospel to confine it, after all of their attempts to stifle the life of the church, The story that had begun with a crucifixion turned into a resurrection. Some had tried to get rid of the Christian church through violence. Others had tried political methods, official arrests and trials. Even natural disasters and a shipwreck had endangered the church's life and Western expansion. There had been open threats and secret inquiries, And there had been the more subtle danger of compromise, the pressure to be drawn back into Jewish ritual, absorbed into the old rule-keeping. Any one of these things might have been the last word of Acts, but none of them was. The last word is open. The gospel of Christ was let loose upon the world, Every attempt to confine it, to compromise it, to muffle it, to reject it, was finally ineffective. Paul's door was always open, and so is Christ. And that, my friends, is the end of Acts. And I just had the little chills here. I mean, look at my arms. I I I literally have some goosebumps. I have really enjoyed going through Acts with you. Going through Acts has been amazing. This just makes me really wish I could have had a conversation with Eugene Peterson. I have a feeling he would have been a wonderful human being to just sit and have a conversation with. 
I imagine a cup of coffee with Eugene Peterson mm. would be quite interesting. Yes. <laughs> when I get to heaven, Eugene, I'll look you up. Absolutely, we will. Oh, I bet the heavenly brew is delicious, too. Oh, God, please have coffee up there. Is it Hebrews? God brews. God brews? <laughs> <laughs> I'll brew. I don't know. And now for everyone's favorite part on the 50th episode, we are taking a big rewind. Yes, back. we are. <laughs> back to Psalms, and we're going to be in Psalm chapter 47. And Heidi is going to read this short but sweet but powerful psalm. Oh, this is a celebration, and I am kind of liking that this is coming on the heels of what we just read in Acts especially after Eugene Peterson's little comments that you finished up with reading. Doors always open. All right, here we go. Psalm 47. Applause, everyone. Bravo, bravissimo. Shout God songs at the top of your lungs. God most high is stunning astride land and ocean. He crushes hostile people, puts nations at our feet. He sets us at the head of the line, prize-winning Jacob, his favorite. Loud cheers as God climbs the mountain, a ram's horn blast at the summit. Sing songs to God, sing out, sing to our king, sing praise. He's Lord over earth, so sing your best songs to God. God is Lord of godless nations, sovereign, he's king of all the mountains. Princes from all over are gathered, people of Abraham's God. The powers of earth are God's. He soars over all. <laughs> I love this short psalm that is just celebrating that there's absolutely nothing that our God is not soaring over. Commands everything, mm -hmm. everything answers to him, all of it created by him, every single bit of it. And the idea that he even takes a moment of time to even think about us, let alone love us, is astonishing mm -hmm. to my mind. Yeah, that was a beautiful psalm. Thank you mm -hmm. for reading that. Yes. Thank you, God. And now I'll be ending the day in everybody's favorite book of the Bible, Leviticus. That's right. <laughs> now, I mean, let's be I, honest here. Oh, no. After being 26 chapters into Leviticus, I mean, you have a different appreciation for Leviticus now. I certainly do. Yeah, no, and I think... I'm hoping that our listeners do too. It's just not a book that gets normally referenced and uh, quoted a lot. So <laughs> I'm glad that we are going through it and just able to talk through some of the things that are in it. So I agree. It is not an easy book of the Bible to read. I certainly wouldn't tell a brand new Christian to start at Leviticus first. I, I think that might be a lot for somebody, but I have really enjoyed reading it in the message version and getting a much better understanding of the symbolism of it. And then it becomes something else completely. 
because a lot of stuff that's in Leviticus ends up making more sense once you know what's in the New mm-hmm. Testament and everything that comes there. So uh, it's not that there's anything wrong with Leviticus. It's just in context. Uh, context matters. It always matters. Absolutely. So here we go. Leviticus chapter 26. Don't make idols for yourselves. And don't set up an image or a sacred pillar for yourselves. And don't place a carved stone in your land that you can bow down to and worship. I am God, your God. Keep my Sabbaths. Treat my sanctuary with reverence. I am God. If you live by my decrees and obediently keep my commands, I will send the rains in their seasons. The ground will yield its crops and the trees of the field their fruit. You will thresh until the grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until planting time. You'll have more than enough to eat, and will live safe and secure in your land. I'll make the country a place of peace. You'll be able to go to sleep at night without fear. I'll get rid of the wild beasts, and I'll eliminate war. You'll chase out your enemies and defeat them. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and do away with them. I'll give you my full attention. I'll make you prosper. Make sure that you grow in numbers, and keep my covenant with you in good working order. You'll still be eating from last year's harvest when you have to clean out the barns to make room for the new crops. I'll set up my residence in your neighborhood. I won't avoid or shun you. I'll stroll through your streets. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. I am God, your personal God who rescued you from Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I ripped off the harness of your slavery so that you can move about freely. But if you refuse to obey me and won't observe my commandments, Despising my decrees and holding my laws in contempt by your disobedience, making a shambles of my covenant, I'll step in and pour on the trouble, debilitating disease, high fevers, blindness, your life leaking out bit by bit. You'll plant seed, but your enemies will eat the crops. I'll turn my back on you and stand by while your enemies defeat you. People who hate you will govern you. You'll run scared even when there's no one chasing you. And if none of this works in getting your attention, I'll discipline you seven times over for your sins. I'll break your strong pride. I'll make the skies above you like a sheet of tin and the ground under you like cast iron. No matter how hard you work, nothing will come of it. No crops out of the ground no fruit off the trees. If you defy me and refuse to listen, your punishment will be seven times more than your sins. I'll set wild animals on you. They'll rob you of your children, kill your cattle, and decimate your numbers until you think that you are living in a ghost town. And even if this doesn't work and you refuse my discipline and continue your defiance, then it will be my turn to defy you. I, yes I, will punish you for your sins seven times over. I'll let war loose on you, avenging your breaking of the covenant, 
When you huddle in your cities for protection, I'll send a deadly epidemic on you, and you'll be helpless before your enemies. When I cut off your bread supply, ten women will bake bread in one oven and ration it out. You'll eat, but barely. No one will get enough. And if this, even this, doesn't work and you still won't listen, still defy me? I'll have had enough and in hot anger will defy you, punishing you for your sins seven times over. Famine will be so severe that you'll end up cooking and eating your sons in stews and your daughters in barbecues. I'll smash your sex and religion shrines and all of the paraphernalia that goes with them and stack your corpses and the idol corpses in the same piles. I'll abhor you. I'll turn your cities into rubble. I'll clean out your sanctuaries. I'll hold my nose at the pleasing aroma of your sacrifices. I'll turn your land into a lifeless moonscape. Your enemies who come in to take over will be shocked at what they see. I'll scatter you all over the world and keep after you with the point of my sword in your backs. There will be nothing left in your land, nothing going on in your cities. With you gone and dispersed in the countries of your enemies, the land, empty of you, will finally get a break and enjoy its Sabbath years. All the time it's left there empty, the land will get rest. The Sabbaths it never got when you lived there. As for those among you still alive, I'll give them over to fearful timidity. Even the rustle of a leaf will throw them into a panic. They'll run here and there, back and forth, as if running for their lives, even though no one is after them. Tripping and falling over one another in total confusion, you won't stand a chance against an enemy. You'll perish among the nations. The land of your enemies will eat you up. Any of you who are left will slowly rot away in the enemy lands. Rot. And all because of their sins. Their sins compounded by their ancestors' sins. On the other hand, if they confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors, their treacherous betrayal, the defiance that set off my defiance that sent them off into enemy lands, if by some chance they soften their hard hearts and make amends for their sin, I'll remember my covenant with Jacob. I'll remember my covenant with Isaac. And yes, I'll remember my covenant with Abraham, and I'll remember the land. The land will be empty of them and enjoy its Sabbaths while they're gone. They pay for their sins because they refused my laws and treated my decrees with contempt. But in spite of their behavior, while they are among their enemies, I won't reject or abhor or destroy them completely. I won't break my covenant with them. I am God, their God. For their sake, I will remember the covenant with their ancestors, whom I, with all the nations watching, brought out of Egypt in order to be their God. I am God. These are the decrees, laws, and instructions that God established between himself and the people of Israel through Moses at Mount Sinai. 
There's a quick pause here that says Leviticus 26 takes us all the way from a prosperous life in obedience to God through a life of fearful timidity in rebellion against God to a restored life in which God remembers his covenant. Why do you think God offers the Israelites such strong warnings? And then we also have a pause here for chapter 26, and it's called The Full Attention of God. At the heart of the Mosaic Covenant, at the heart of any covenant, is the promise. And Leviticus 26 is full of promises. Only some of them, however, are promises that you want to see kept. That is so true. <laughs> God has delivered his people first to Egypt to escape famine in the time of Joseph, and now from Egypt to escape slavery at the hands of Pharaoh. The Israelites are no longer slaves. They are free from bondage. But they are not free from God. God still has a claim on them. And here we read what God expects. First, the bad news, which we find in the latter portion of Leviticus 26. If you refuse to obey me and won't observe my commandments, God warns, bad things will happen. The flourishing of the land that God had promised his people is contingent on the keeping of his covenant. The litany that stretches from verse 14 through 39 is terrifying, a steady degradation from bad to worse. God promises to pour on the trouble, first in little isolated pools of sorrow, illness, hostile neighbors, bad government, generalized anxiety, and then eventually to a state of being is described as rot, but is best characterized as perpetual fear. It is indeed a fearsome thing to defy God. It's a wonder that we do it so often. Oh. Notice God's motivation in this litany, getting your attention in verse 18. God is not fickle or vindictive. Rather, he is interested in a land that is flourishing and a people that he can call neighbors. The obedience that God calls his people to in this chapter is for the good of the land, not only the people. It is in this particular place that they are meant to live and live well with God. As bad as the bad news gets in Leviticus 26, it's the good news that captures our attention. Plenty of food, a dearth of war, an absence of fear, the full attention of God. The world born of God's covenant is a good world, a world worth inhabiting, a world worthy of the God who promises to set up my residence there. This is the epitome of a personal God. A God who not only delivers us, but also dwells among us. Mm. And that was the end of chapter 26. You got any comments on that? Wow. <laughs> that was well, a lot. Huh? <laughs> that, that was different than God spoke to Moses. It was. And um, my first thought is, wow. <laughs> Woo, yeah, you he know, ain't playing. No, laid it out plain and clear and there's no like oh i didn't quite understand what you meant because he saw to it that you did understand but then it struck me every time you sin every time you disobey every single time the price to pay to redeem you was his own son mm. every single sin committed was suffering his son had to do. Mm. 
God had over and over and over every single human, all the sin over Mm -hmm. and over Mm -hmm. and over. And then when it becomes willful and deliberate, they're literally willfully and deliberately abusing Mm -hmm. and killing his son that he was willing to hand over because he loves them and us so much. And I think that's just the importance of being reminded constantly of your sin. It's not to say you are such a horrible, awful, worthless human being. The price to cover that was my child. That it was my son that I gave you. The only one I had. So when you think that God's wrath is too much, really, when you put it into that perspective, Mm -hmm. like, was it really too much? You know, because he gave his son for... God didn't have to warn them. He could have said, none of you are worth my son. Yeah. Not a single one of you. So you know what? Do what you want to do. I'm leaving. He could very well have done that. Yeah. But did not. It's just... uh, All right, now we're going to pick back up and finish out the day in Leviticus chapter 27. Thanks again for joining us today on this journey. God spoke to Moses. Here we are. Here we are. He said, speak to the people of Israel. Tell them if anyone wants to vow the value of a person to the service of God, set the value of a man between the ages of 20 and 60 at 50 shekels of silver, according to the sanctuary shekel. For a woman, the value is 30 shekels. If the person is between the ages of 5 and 20, set the value at 20 shekels for a male and 10 shekels for a female. If the person is between one month and five years, set the value at five shekels of silver for a boy and three shekels of silver for a girl. If the person is over 60, set the value at 15 shekels for a man and 10 shekels for a woman. If anyone is too poor to pay the stated amount, he is to present the person to the priest, who will then set the value for him according to what the person making the vow can afford. If he vowed an animal that is acceptable as an offering to God, the animal is given to God and becomes the property of the sanctuary. He must not exchange or substitute a good one for a bad one, or a bad one for a good one. If he should dishonestly substitute one animal for another, both the original and the substitute become property of the sanctuary. If what he vowed is a ritually unclean animal, one that is not acceptable as an offering to God, the animal must be shown to the priest who will set its value either high or low. Whatever the priest sets will be its value. If the owner changes his mind and wants to redeem it, he must add 20% to its value. If a man dedicates his house to God into the possession of the sanctuary, the priest assesses its value, setting it either high or low. Whatever value the priest sets, that's what it is. If the man wants to buy it back, he must add 20% to its price, and then it's his again. If a man dedicates to God part of his family land, its value is to be set according to the amount of seed that is needed for it at the rate of 50 shekels of silver to six bushels of barley seed. If he dedicates his field during the year of Jubilee, the set value stays. But 
If he dedicates it after the Jubilee, the priest will compute the value according to the years left until the next Jubilee, reducing the value proportionately. If the one dedicating it wants to buy it back, he must add 20% to its valuation, and then it's his again. But if he doesn't redeem it or sells the field to someone else, it can never be bought back. When the field is released in the Jubilee, it becomes holy to God, the possession of the sanctuary, God's field. It goes into the hands of the priests. If a man dedicates to God a field that he has bought, a field which is not part of the family land, the priest will compute its proportionate value in relation to the next year of Jubilee. The man must pay its value on the spot as something that is now holy to God, belonging to the sanctuary. In the year of Jubilee, it goes back to its original owner, the man from whom he bought it. The valuations will be reckoned by the sanctuary shekel at 20 giras to the shekel. No one is allowed to dedicate the firstborn of an animal. The firstborn as firstborn already belongs to God. No matter if it's cattle or sheep, it already belongs to God. If it's one of the ritually unclean animals, he can buy it back at its assessed value by adding 20% to it. If he doesn't redeem it, it is to be sold at its assessed value. But nothing that a man irrevocably devotes to God from what belongs to him, whether human or animal or family land, may be either sold or bought back. Everything devoted is holy to the highest degree. It's God's inalienable property. No human who has been devoted to destruction can be redeemed. He must be put to death. A tenth of the land's produce, whether grain from the ground or fruit from the trees, is God's. It is holy to God. If a man buys back any of the tenth he has given, he must add 20% to it. A tenth of the entire herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod, is a holy gift to God. A tenth of the entire herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod, is holy to God. He is not permitted to pick out the good from the bad or make a substitution. If he dishonestly makes a substitution, both animals, the original and the substitute, become the possession of the sanctuary and cannot be redeemed. These are the commandments that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai for the people of Israel. And friends, just like that today, we have knocked out Acts. We have knocked out Leviticus. I mean, we are moving right oh, along. Leviticus is done? Leviticus is done. What? I mean... I didn't I, know. I'm not celebrating, but I'm like celebrating that we're making progress we through the Bible. progress. This has been fun. It absolutely has been a good time. And I would need to refresh my memory on, because I know it was... In times past, and I'm talking maybe a couple months ago, hearing that, oh, great, women are worth less, little girls are worth less, old ladies are worth less, we just have no value. It's not what that's saying. It, it isn't saying that the ability to make money in those times, again, take into context 
women didn't have the ability to earn what a man was able to earn. Right. An old man wasn't able to earn what a younger man was able to earn. Children could not earn what adults could earn. And there's a sliding scale of, think of it as taxes placed on you. That's simply based on your ability in that society and in those contexts. And that's how that amount was determined. It's saying, as a man in this age group, you are perfectly capable of earning and paying this amount. And that's why all those varying amounts came through. But in as much as it's hard for me to still wrap my head around it, it's not saying that I had less value to God. Sure. So, um, yeah, I just, I'm amazed at the detail God went into when it came to instructing his people. There was so, so much in Leviticus. I can't even imagine keeping it straight. I was reminded, too, of not just simply the tithing portion, right? But it's the kind of the status of your heart, kind of, you know, what are you, how are you approaching the tithe? And are you giving God your best? Are you giving God your first? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's important to him. And it's not just giving him something and going through the motion and checking the box, but it's now saying, I'm doing this because I believe and this is what you've commanded and mm-hmm. I'm being obedient and yes and he's got it built into the system that for the very poor that they don't have that they do not have it it's built in there to fairly allow them to be part of this because it was important to the people to be involved in this in fact they're commanded to obey this If you were very poor and that's the command and you can't pay, that had horrible penalties. Mm. But God's like, no, I provided for you. I absolutely have provided. You simply go to the priest. Transparency. Mm -hmm. This is all that I have. This is everything. This is what I'm worth. This is it all. And God told the priest how to determine what they could bring. So they were included in part of it. So God truly is gracious. And it's those little things like that, that remind me, God loved everybody and provides a way for everybody, man, woman, and child. The system was set up for them all to be successful and to thrive. They just had to listen to them. And the last thing we want is a divine timeout. Oh, please. No, (laughs) it didn't sound fun at all. Oh, don't want that, man. And Yeah, he went in like, I don't want there to be any question about what's going to happen if you decide to go outside of uh, what I've got here for you. So uh, just in case you do think about that, I'm just going to give you something to chew on here for a minute. That's right. That that whole, well, I didn't know argument that ain't flying. Yeah, you knew. (laughs) So You knew and your mama knew. Everybody knew. Yeah, everybody knew. So (laughs) we'll all wait while you come up with your other, uh, other story. Yeah. Friends, thank you. That's yes. I, that's the best I get. That's the best I got right now is just thank you. We appreciate mm. you following along these last fifty oh, episodes. Do. Give this episode a like if it's blessed you. Share if you want it to bless someone else. If you think, hey, maybe something that they talked about could mean something to someone else, give this episode a share. We would greatly appreciate it. 
That's one of the free ways to support our podcast, and it means so much to us. And we appreciate any time that you spend on that. So We sure do. So, friends, thank you so much. We're going to have the questions coming up right after we sign off here, so stick around for that. We'll also have the questions posted in the Facebook group. So we're going to have four questions, one for each section here. Join the Facebook group. There's a link down in the comment section. Answer the questions there. We would love to see your answers. These are some light, fun questions about the reading, and we would love to see where you're at and what your thoughts are. So stick around after we sign off here, and we'll have those questions for you. But friends, thanks so much for joining us on this journey through the message. I can't wait for number 51. See you guys soon. Thanks for joining along today. Episode 50 was great. We appreciate so much having you along. Here are the questions for today. The something to think about. So we start out in Matthew chapter 21, verse 12 through 22. If you could playfully flip over something to make a statement, what would it be? And how does Jesus challenging the temple rituals teach us about true worship and devotion? Out of Acts, we have, if you joined Paul's Bible party in Rome, how would you creatively spread the good news? How can we apply Paul's enthusiasm and resilience to inspire others in our own lives? Then the next one is Psalm chapter 47. Picture yourself at the ultimate dance party celebrating God's reign. Now, what is your signature dance move? And how does joyful praise strengthen your faith and bring you closer to God? And lastly, we're going to end in Leviticus. What does it mean to face divine consequences or a spiritual timeout corner? And how does understanding God's expectations for holiness shape our relationship with Him and others? So remember, all these questions are going to be down in the comments below. Thanks again, guys. We appreciate having you along and look forward to seeing you on this journey through the message.